0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, it's Mailbag Friday on a Thursday. So we had the football mailbag drop on Wednesday. Now we're dropping the basketball mailbag on Thursday. And I'm actually excited about this mailbag because we can have finally here in about 24 hours, put all the Jalen Duran questions kind of behind us. I, I'm sure Kentucky fans are honestly probably feeling the same way.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, uh, he's been probably mentioned just as much, if not more than anybody in our mailbags uh, since he, since the rumors came out that he would be reclassifying. And uh, tomorrow, at, what, you know what time his announcement is? Um, Does anybody, it's I mean. like an hour and a half announcement, right? Uh, Or the... I think it's like 6 to 7.30 or something like that. I can't remember exactly. I just know whenever last time I checked it, it was uh, – it doesn't seem like that's going to be a quick uh, announcement. So, regardless, tomorrow night – or maybe tomorrow, I think tomorrow night, though, we'll know where he's heading. And uh, at that point, we can talk about the fallout. Uh, at this point, it seems unlikely he'll choose Kentucky. But, you know, stranger things have happened in recruiting.
0: Yeah, that's what we've been talking about for weeks now is that it seems like it's trending somewhere else, but then we've also thrown in the the thought that does anyone really truly know because it, it's kind of been hit or miss. But there's a lot of Memphis buzz right now, Monty Bates reclassifying and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's buzz that those two are going to team up there, which, I mean, it bodes well for Penny Hardaway, but Penny better win if that yeah. happens because that's that's a pretty big deal. There's, there's a lot going on right now. Uh, so we're going to dive right into this mailbag. As always, this mailbag is brought to you by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. It's a fantastic place to make it out for dinner, to catch a game. Great atmosphere there, right, conveniently located off the exit there in London, Kentucky. I highly recommend you uh, to make it out there at some point, especially with football season coming around. But, Derek, let's start off the top here. And, obviously, it's about Jalen. And, and Jonathan asked, and I have not, I have not listened to KSR the last couple of days, but he said call it is Matt Jones source crazy? Do we get Jalen Duran? I've not listened to, to KSR. So I don't know if you maybe know what Matt said or anything along those lines or what the source is. So I, I've not been able to tune in this week.
1: Yeah. I haven't either. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the source is crazy or not. I mean, you know, Matt's typically got pretty good sources. Um, as far as the question is if Kentucky gets Jalen Duran, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. Um, unless this kid has just done a tremendous job kind of keeping everything under wraps. I mean, every, everything you hear kind of points a different direction from Kentucky. So I'm going to stick with that, but again, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but yeah, if I were putting money on it and the, and the choices was, Hey, you put money on Kentucky, you win a lot, or if you put money on the field, I would, I would definitely go with the field at this point.
0: Do you, do you think it's college basketball? I think so.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: I do too. I think it'll be Memphis or Miami. Honestly, if you ask me right now, I really don't know. I mean, I'd I'd probably say Memphis at this point, just given the Amani Bates news and a reclassification. It just, it certainly seems like that there's a lot of legs to, to that possibly being a duo there, Derek, which was crazy to think that that could actually happen at Memphis and not somewhere like Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina, and, it, and the place where Calipari came from, right? How, yeah. how wild is it that that we've come full circle with this?
1: I mean, it's never been – recruiting has never been the issue for Penny Hardaway at Memphis. And I know they, they made the NIT this past year. I thought they were scheduled – or not scheduled. I thought they were set up to have a pretty good team uh, next year, but then they lost a lot of guys to transfer. I don't even know – now that I sit here and look at this, I don't even know what the roster looks like for next year. I mean, if they add Durant, I'm sure you would think if you add a player that talented at the at the least, you would be competing for an NCAA tournament spot. But uh, I really don't know. Uh, do, you, do you know anything about their roster next year since – I mean, I know Jeffrey's left. Um, is Keonis, is that how you say his name? Lester. I don't know if he's even there anymore. I mean, they just had a lot of guys that that left. I do know Rashid Wallace is there now, though, right? Him and Larry Brown, the former NBA folks, all uh coaching college hoops now.
0: DeAndre Williams, is he still there? Transfer from Evansville that Kentucky looked at last spring. I'm trying to to see look
1: right here. i just go to the Google machine, see what's going on at Memphis. I'm
0: not seeing yeah, he's still there. Yep. So DeAndre Williams, I know that was a very good player, very good piece for them. He's still there. Uh, yeah, I mean it should be if if they get those two guys, Derek. That's good. I mean, that's a pretty big win for Penny Hardaway. But Earl
1: Timberlake is there. He's a transfer from Miami. I remember him as a bigger crew. Yeah, Lester is still there. Uh, they they sound some pretty good freshmen as well. So I, you add Jalen Duran to that, you would think. Um, I mean, if you don't make the NCAA tournament with that group, then, I mean, when are you going to make it, you know? That's a good point.
0: NIT championships aren't going to settle it when you – if you get a piece like Jalen Dern or possibly Amani Bates as well. Uh, But moving on, Adam has a question here. Who ends up with the number one recruiting class for 2022, UK, Duke, or someone else? It's been – if you're betting money, you always pick – UK or Duke over the field, right, when it comes to the number one recruiting class. But, Derek, who – who? it's so early right now. Duke is obviously off to a fantastic start with commitments over the last week. So, Kentucky has some catching up to do. They have Sky Clark there. I've not got the composite and everything pulled up there. But if you throw in a commitment from Shaden Sharp who just continues to climb and you you like where Kentucky's at with Derek Lively. And, obviously, Kentucky's in a great – Situation with on too. That's how I say his name. I still don't know. Oh. I'm going to continue to say Boonon until somebody tells me it's something different. But uh, Case and Wallace, if you if you throw some of those names in and how it stacks up with Duke, they're, they're both going to be right there. One of those two, in my opinion, will be the number one class. I just don't know at this point. You have to wait and see how these final class rankings and player rankings kind of sh- shuffle out and play, them, play themselves out.
1: Do you have any idea who the number one class is right now in 2022? Who is it? Ohio State. Ohio State. So Ohio State's got three, four stars right now. That's obviously not going to hold up um, by the end of it. They'll they'll drop down. But North Carolina's at number two. UConn's at number three. All these schools that they all have at least three commitments. Every school it's in the top uh, top five. And then of course Ohio State has four, which is more than any other team. Um, Duke, interestingly enough, is at seven. And they do have – got two pretty highly ranked kids. Um, when you're talking about uh, Derek Whitehead, right? That's who – Yeah. Or Derek. might be Derek. might be pronounced Derek. might be a, a good way to spell my name. D-A-R-I-Q. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce that. And then, of course, uh, the guy we were talking – sorry about that. The guy we were talking about the other day, Kyle, Kyle uh, Filipowski, is a top 35 player. So, two th- top 35 players for Duke. What's going to be interesting about these rankings, what you were just mentioning, is – Endurance reclassifying, and Bates' as well. Those guys are both still listed in 22. So they're going to get chopped off that. And if you just go by the rankings right now, and maybe there will be a reshuffle now that the summer circuit's basically over, uh, Amari Bailey, who's committed to UCLA, would move to number one. But you've already seen on three move Shaden Sharp to number one. So after the summer he had – so I'm not really ready to say on 24-7 what it's going to be, but to get to the heart of the – that was a long way to answer this guy's question. If Kentucky, it's lively and sharp. it could both be top three players with Clark, the guy you mentioned? Bo- Bona, is that how you're saying it?
0: That's how I'm saying, or I'm saying Buna is how Buna, I'm saying. Buna,
1: okay. And, Buna I, is ranked and The reason I'm
0: right now. saying that is I read a story the other day that actually had it written and pronounced as okay. Buna. Well,
1: that's how we're gonna go with them. So that's so that's what Buna I'm going with. And Case and Wallace, those are all five, that's five five star guys right there. Unless Duke pulls off some, like I think that's enough for number one, basically.
0: Yeah, there it is. So I'm go
1: with Kentucky uh, right now.
0: Yeah, and then what happens Nick Smith Jr.? That's another question. Yeah. I know we're probably going to get to that at some point in the mailbag. Somebody uh, asked about that because he did release his top eight schools yesterday. Kentucky was a part of that. So Kentucky is obviously firmly in that recruitment. Where does Kentucky stand with Jaden Bradley? How long does that go along uh, with Kentucky adding all, l- looking to add all these wings? Because that's a lot of the positions. Nick Smith Jr., Casey Wallace, Shaden Sharp. They've got Scott Clark. Who returns off of this team? Eric, I've, I've said C.J. Frederick. You know there's probably going to be another guy that returns there in the backcourt possibly. So where does Kentucky stand with Jaden Bradley? I, I don't really know. I said I think on the last episode that I think Bradley will ultimately end up elsewhere, but it remains to kind of be seen right now. Uh, so I, I would say U.K. or Duke ends up with the number one class over someone else unless there's just a surprise. But let's start getting into some of these roster questions. Uh, so go big blue 2455. Five, Derek says, Any chance Bryce Hopkins can get significant minutes this season? I've been hearing good things about him.
1: I'd say, yeah. I mean, well, he's the guy we keep talking about. That I think whenever you and I get here and we start getting into the weeds of this thing and we start talking, we always remember, Oh, shoot, we've not mentioned Bryce Hopkins because I think he's just, uh, Easily forgettable on a team that's bringing quite a few guys back. Then a lot of the transfers, I mean, you talk about it, they're going to play three guards. It's still kind of hard to know where Hopkins is going to fit in. So I'm not ready to say he won't or he will just because, I mean, he's like the one guy that I, I think it's going to take a wait and see approach to whether or not. I think given the history of Cal with freshmen, I think he's going to get a chance, right? Like he's going to play him at some point. Oh, yeah. Sticks. So I would, I would still say – uh to have a cop-out type answers he's going to get an opportunity early in the season if he takes advantage of that then absolutely he'll get significant minutes but if it doesn't look like he's ready given all the other options that are going to be available I'm going to say he probably will take kind of a back seat this year and then maybe next year I uh, have a little bit more of a role
0: and he's a guy that could possibly benefit from the roster being set as it is if they mm-hmm. added Jalen Durant it's going to be very hard for Bryce Hopkins to get minutes because you already know he's going to be behind Jacob Toppin, Keon Brooks early in the season, especially Keon. You would think he's behind Jacob Toppin at this point as well. And if Kentucky does commit to that three-guard attack, where does he fall in? But I, I like his game. The more I watched him, his body, the way he can lead the break if he grabs a rebound, Kentucky's had some really good forwards over the years that could grab a board and go. And that's what I like about him. If he can consistently knock down shots, maybe he's able to get more minutes as a freshman. Uh, but he's a piece that I think that Cal wants in this program. You remember earlier this summer they put out that 30-second highlight clip of him just cramming and making moves and stuff. That's, that's intentional, that when he must be doing something good for them to put that content out there. So I think it's intriguing. And the thing that helps this year too, Derek, is that non-conference schedule. Outside of the power five games, Kentucky's going to have those games where they're going to beat some teams to where he can play some minutes, those exhibition games, which honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, we probably should, we'll probably get something pretty soon on who their exhibition opponents are. I would say by the end of this month, we'll have a probably a clear idea of what their schedule is going to look like going into September. Uh, So I think he's a guy that benefits from having a normal year with a normal schedule with some of those games that can kind of build some confidence and maybe play some, play more guys possibly.
1: I agree with that. I mean, no, that hurt that team last year. I mean, a lot of things hurt last year's team, but just being able to have low – those are low-pressure games. You know, last year they were forced right in from the get-go. I know they played Morehead State. Um, and they, they handled Morehead State, obviously, which ended up being a tournament team. Yeah. But you didn't have any of those kind of ease-in games. So the very next game they got beat by Richmond. <laughs> so, um, it will be – huge. I mean, it will be huge – for team chemistry as well. I mean, you want to be able to – you're mixing a match and matching a lot of new guys, a lot of experienced guys in college basketball, but still guys playing with new players for the first time. There's going to be some some moments where they probably don't look too great. Um, but to have games that don't count against your win-loss record, be able to experiment with some things there before it really gets cranked up. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess every coach in America absolutely cannot wait to have those games back. Yeah,
0: and, and you get the blue-white game too at, at Rupp we expect that that'll be a thing this year. So you actually get to see this team scrimmage and get up and down the floor and play a little bit. Uh, moving on to Randy's question. So back to recruiting a little bit. Sorry. So I'm going through DMs now. So we, we, didn't, we don't have a deep mailbag this no. week. Actually, not surprised that it's not deep because I really don't think a lot of people really know what to ask at this point. Now, post-Durn announcement, I think we're going to have a lot more questions. Randy says, how, how are things looking with Nick Smith? UK in the driver's seat was sharp and lively. What, what about the rest of the class? So, we got into that a moment ago, Derek. That to me, Nick Smith Jr., Case and Wallace is kind of an inter- interesting combo there. Do, do they ultimately decide to play together at a place like Kentucky? I know Travis Branham said that he thinks just one of them picked Case and Wallace to Kentucky, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they do get Wallace let's say that Kentucky gets Wallace in the near future. Then I think it'll be interesting to see if that recruitment of Smith continues to pick up or vice versa. If Nick Smith comes first, I don't, I don't really know. It'll be interesting to see if they still recruit that those guy, whichever one hasn't committed. Cause I'm confident Kentucky gets one of them if they really want one.
1: I'm going to say Wallace. Yeah. That's my thought. I think they get Wallace and then uh, Smith chooses to go elsewhere, but also talking about on three, um, you know, I know it's a new site, but if you're going off their rankings, uh, Wallace is top 10 there as well, right? I think he's like number eight in their class. So I'm not sure if on three yet is going to, I don't know if it's been decided, but I'm not sure if they're going to be factored into the composite or not. Because When the composite originated, it was four, uh, four sites. It was Scout, ESPN, 24-7, and Rivals. So that would get us back to four if they choose to go that route. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to say you get one or the other. I, I'm just trying to think about from the kid's perspective because if you're Nick Smith and you can go – I mean, he's getting recruited by a lot of the elite schools in the country. Unless you're just desperately craving that Kentucky experience and, and really want to – test and I'm not even saying it's not that, that you would test yourself. I mean, there's a difference in being scared of competition or whatever and then just making a logical choice for you to, to help you get on the floor because, I mean, it's not like you're going to go to Kentucky or some – you know, in, in a you know, far inferior program. If you can stay home and play for a very good Arkansas team, a team with a lot of momentum under Eric Musselman, like I think he got strongly consider that uh, as well. And he did cut his list to eight as well, I saw, right? And Kentucky was on there and Kentucky just offered. So I think he's definitely – I mean, Kentucky's right there for him. There's no doubt about it. But I think this is going to be a situation more where Kentucky's going to get to decide who we're, they want.
0: We're moving into that point now. To where once we get to late August, September, October, football is going to be a lot of the talk, but there's going to be those two or three episodes, Derek, that we're going to have where we're discussing Kentucky uh, basketball landing and commitment. The same thing happened last year. Scott Clark, Bryce Hopkins, it all started like a chain reaction there Uh, once the weather started getting cooler. You started moving into – Uh, the college basketball recruiting and approaching signing day. So I'm expecting that we're going to get to that point sometime soon, I think, with Shaden Sharp, which is going to be massive news. I think that's going to be a big story for Kentucky basketball because you can see that guy being a stud in college basketball. He has all the makings of being a very, very good player wherever he ends up, and Kentucky is certainly in the driver's seat for him. Uh, But let's talk a little bit more about Kentucky's recruiting because Ron has a couple of questions here. Uh, he sent this one in on Sunday, and then he followed up with one on Tuesday. So I'll start with Sunday one. Did we not recruit Walker Kessler and Garrison Brooks both to play the five? So we didn't get those guys, but pass on Kofi. If you go back to the spring, we really didn't know what the heck John Calipari was doing and where things were with any of these guys when it come to recruiting. There were a lot. There were some rumblings there. I know with Walker Kessler, and then I know there was some behind the scenes talk with with a couple of. Sources saying that Kentucky and Garrison Brooks or North Carolina and things like that were a topic. But we really don't know what Kentucky was targeting early in the spring. We we knew the backcourt was the primary focus at that point.
1: Yeah, I don't think Brooks was ever a real option, but I do think Kessler might have been Yeah, uh, to a certain extent, um, maybe. I, I, it is hard to kind of know how, it, how formal the conversations were.
0: And where were things with Keon Brooks then, too? within yeah, their mean, relationship was era. not really a relationship, but where was the footing at in those conversations did was key on a dead set. I'm coming back for a junior year. Was there some talk that might've kind of led into some Walker Kessler uh, talk with Kentucky and things like that. Cause you could have seen if they had landed one of those guys early, maybe someone would have left at that point.
1: And if I remember right, I think the Kessler stuff had to do a little bit with the package deal with people thinking Justin Powell, it did. end up at UK, yep. and then of course that ship sailed. Um, Kentucky had Kellen Grady. I, it's so hard to remember the timeline of all those things. I, I want to say Grady and Powell committed to the respective schools. I think around the same time, but so I mean that that could also have been just you know clutter, not real not real stuff. I mean because I don't I don't think Kentucky was ever in a spot where it pursued Justin Powell very hard, so if that was the case, maybe some people are just tying Walker Kessler and them together. Cause I think Tennessee even had some package deal talk as well so, with those two. And I do think Tennessee absolutely went after Walker Kessler, but he ultimately chose Auburn, of course, which is kind of funny. I hadn't really thought about it that way that Kessler and Powell are supposed to be tied together. And Powell <laughs> actually left the school that Kessler ended up going to.
0: So, so what we know from the spring and the, or in the summer is we know that Cal had guys that wanted to come if they had really wanted them and chose not to take them. I think Powell was a guy that would have ended up in Kentucky. Kofi Coburn is definitely a guy that would have ended up in Kentucky. What does that tell you, Derek? Did, I mean, obviously, do you have some confidence in Cal, knowing that he he likes what he has and didn't want to take those guys? Does that does that give you confidence that he really likes this team, and this isn't just one of those things where Cal likes them and they end up not being good because he really liked his team last year, late in the summer, but – It was easier to misjudge that because he didn't even get to see those guys live. I mean, they were doing workouts and stuff with gloves on last year. I don't think anybody really knew what those guys were capable of. I mean, it was pretty much Casper defending them in workouts last year.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I do buy in a little bit to this talk that he maybe didn't go after, uh, Coburn as much because he really wanted to focus on Duran, and I don't think they're gonna get Duran. So I think he was in a spot where he was comfortable with what they had. If I guess the phrase it this way, I think he was comfortable going all in on Duran and knowing that they might not get him, he would still be okay with, with where they were with the roster. So that's kind of how I see it playing out there. Um,
0: Do you think Mints changed that too with his decision to come back, adding another veteran? I know it's not even the same position. We're talking about a one or a two and comparing it but to it's a four still, or a five. But it
1: – Yeah, it still crowds it it. For the yeah.
0: overall roster. But then it solidifies that four spot with Keon and Toppin being what they are and not sliding them to the three as much. So I, maybe that played into it too. That all happened at the same time. Mintz came back. Coburn went to the transfer portal. And then it all kind of unraveled there over the course of those two weeks. And then Ron follows up with another question. I think he's wanting us to answer this post durn but I think we should actually answer it now. It says, for post Duran announcement, what grade would you give Cal and his roster and coaching staff moves this offseason? I think we can do that, honestly, without even factoring in what happens with Jalen Duran. Because honestly, Derek, whether they get Jalen Duran or not tomorrow, I'm giving Kentucky an A for their offseason, given that where they were, 9-16, and 16, didn't really know what Kentucky was going to have, losing guys at the NBA, an entire coaching staff change. You bring back Antigua, which and immediately to me gives you an A plus. Bringing back a guy like that to your staff, <laughs> and then you do you go get the SEC leader and assist. You got to factor in Oscar Shebue too, even though it happened in January. I think I throw that in. You go get a guy in Kellen Grady who averaged double figures and started Davidson for four years. Convince Keon Brooks to come back. I got to give Kentucky. I got to give him an A. I don't – whether Jalen Duran goes to Kentucky, Memphis, G League, i got to give them an A.
1: Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. And, again, we talked about it a little bit uh, for our listeners who have been around a long time. We talked about it a little bit when the season was ending that it's kind of – I mean, it's – there's layers to this. Cal's – there's a very good chance I think Kentucky's going to have maybe the biggest turnaround and wins in the country. The, the layers of that is that Kentucky, it's not going to be something that's celebrated because you should never finish with nine wins. And also, it's pretty much all about the postseason. But I think you're talking about a Kentucky team that's going to go from nine wins to probably at least 25 by the time the NCAA tournament starts. So, plus 16 increase in wins in one season. At, uh, at a lot of schools, you'd probably be, you know, coach of the year in your league yeah. if you were able to do that. Whereas at Kentucky, it's going to be expected, of course. Um, so, I do think – the reason I bring that up is because I do think they've done a good enough job forming a roster that by any measure, I think in the preseason, I'd be surprised if they're not at least top 15. Um, And that's adding a lot of guys. I mean, I think there's room for growth there. I don't think they go into next year as a, as a favorite, but I also don't think that it's, you know, I think they're going to have a chance though. And that's kind of how he's been doing things. You know, you that's kind of been the calling card for Cal every year is, yeah, there's been insane turnover and up until last year. And, you know, you can go back to 2013, but that's post national championship. Uh, And also a different environment now too, because if you could go back to 2012 or 2013, if you had the transfer portal at your disposal, that team probably never falls off that bad because you're not having to realize rely on as many, uh, probably as many freshmen as what they had to that year. So yeah, I'll say, I'll say an A, I mean, I think if they, End up with Dern. I mean, it's back to being an A plus because you're getting one of the best players in the country in August to yeah. join your team. But I, I also think there is something to be said at this point about having these guys who have gone through offseason workouts together. I don't know if people read Kyle Tucker's story in the Athletic or not, where he interviewed Rob Harris. But it was a pretty good interview if you're a subscriber there. And he just talked about the continuity and the team building that you get during those intense conditioning sessions. How do you think that plays if you get a guy like Jalen Duran in that late and he starts taking some serious minutes when he hasn't really grinded with them to that point? I mean, I think some guys might be mature about it, but I could also see that being a thing like, hey, you know, you weren't here during the hardest parts of our offseason conditioning, and now you're just gonna come in and and take some spots. Like that's another thing to weigh here as well, I think.
0: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast
1: of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May third. Rated PG thirteen.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's what this team or what the team last year missed out on. Yeah. they didn't go through those battles and those trials at Kroger Field under the lights where you're dragging guys to the finish line. They weren't put in those situations. They have to do that, Derek. And honestly, I think once it got to a point last year, they were just pretty much dead in the water, just left for dead with barely even a pulse to drag someone to the finish line. I don't think that team ever would have figured out how to really fight and drag themselves across the finish line. Honestly, that's just, they just were behind the eight ball to begin with, but this team has certainly benefited from a normal summer. You're starting to see guys now. Ty, Ty Washington, his dad, shared some stuff on Twitter this morning. I put it up on the website on GoBigBlueCountry.com of his workouts, and here he was at 5.30 this morning working out. So they're not on campus now. Kellen Grady worked out with Malik Monk earlier mm-hmm. this week, which was pretty cool to see, to see that. But Wesley has uh, a couple of questions. It's two parts here. With lo- the likelihood that our roster is set, do you believe this is finally the year that Cal opens it up and runs a more run-and-gun offense? The roster is tailored for it, and I don't see how he could go any other direction. Derek, I just don't think that this can be a roster that you just pound it inside. You've got right. Sheebley. I think they're going to be able to post Keon Brooks at times. I, I really think that he has the versatility there to be a good back to the basket guy and a face-up guy from that four spot. But I want to see this Kentucky team get out and take some threes in transition with maybe 24, 25 seconds on the shot clock. Take some quick shots, get some extra shots up, You've got guys now that you can knock them down, but does Cal play that way?
1: I think going to what you said, I mean, how much confidence do you have right now that you can throw the ball consistently to Sheboy on the block and he's going to get you buckets? I don't
0: think you know right now.
1: you don't know that right now, then it's hard to see you playing. What you do know is you've got a bunch of guards who and, have filled up at the college level. And and that, might be, and that might be the thing when it goes into the Duke game,
0: right? The Kentucky is going to have no identity. None whatsoever in that game at Madison Square Garden. You know, the only identity that I know that this this Kentucky team has right now is they got dudes that can flat-out stroke it. And that might be what carries them early in the season, Derek, is they just got guys that can knock down shots. They have no idea who they're going to play through at that point. They're not going to know that, in my opinion, until we get into that. I'm going to say Ohio State game is where they'll know who they can play through because they're going to be battle-tested with Duke. On the road at Michigan, you've got a game against Notre Dame. I think by that point is where you'll kind of find out who they can play through. But I do think that they're going to put up more threes than what they put up in the
1: past. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think you're going to see a primarily three-guard lineup. And then Keon, and – well, I'm, I'm excited to see Keon as well, but definitely Toppin. You know, how, how much has he improved his shot? Can he become a reliable three-point shooter this year? If, if you got four guys at all times that you think – you know, if you leave these guys wide open, they'll make you pay – then I think that is the way is going to play. But I don't fault anybody for um, being a skeptic, though, because we've kind of heard this in the past that, you know.
0: Yeah, we have. I mean, You're right.
1: Yeah, that, that they're going to be, you know, they're going to play different, and then it gets down to the season, and you get, you know, guys on the floor that you wouldn't really think should be playing on the floor together. And that yeah. happened a lot last year. So maybe this year he'll have a better fill for his rotation. They won't end up in such bad spots like last season. But I do think the way that this roster was constructed, I'm with you. Like, I, I can't see any other way than that they play faster and take more threes just yeah. because I don't think you're going to have – unless there's someone we're not talking about or Sheboy improves tremendously, I just don't know who you're going to have that can just absolutely dominate a game on the block.
0: Sheboy to me is a guy that needs to live on the glass on both the yeah. defensive end and the offensive end, getting garbage baskets, those okay. high-energy plays. That's what I'm looking from for from Kentucky's fours and fives, really, especially their fives. Whoever that second five is, if it's Lance Ware, is uh, live on the offensive glass. Kentucky did not do that last year, Derek. They didn't get anything easy on offense, and they missed out significantly on that. You'd love to see them shoot the ball at a solid clip from the free throw line as well. If they can do those two things, I think this team has the potential to be pretty good, uh, but Wesley followed up with a question here, too, and he said, we agree that we might be one big guy short of having a truly complete team. But in saying that, can this team be similar to the 2017-2018 Villanova Championship team? They had elite guards and wings, not a guy over 6'9", and their stretch fours could score the basketball. If Brooks and Toppin take that expected step up, I can see some similarities. You, you could.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that Villanova team was – very talented, shot the ball very well. I mean, I think if you're going to relate it to UK, you kind of go back to 2011. I mean, Cal's kind of had a team like this before. It wasn't as deep uh, as this team's going to be. But in terms of the makeup, I mean, you had a Josh Harrelson, basically was the only true – I know you had uh, Eloy Vargas as a backup, but not someone – he didn't play a ton, you know, in mean, minutes. I mean, they were really – once uh, Enos Canner was ruled ineligible, they were really counting on on Harrelson. And you had Terrence Jones and Deron Lamb, Brandon Knight, uh, Darius Miller and uh probably for getting somebody else off that team. Uh
0: DeAndre yeah, Liggins, you name him? Liggins.
1: Liggins, yep. yes. Liggins is another guy that, you know, he wasn't really somebody would describe as a pure shooter. But I mean, damn, he had a big three against North Carolina there in the lead eight. To, <laughs> yeah, but then you think about Josh Harrelson, you know, he was not the kind of guy that you were going to play through uh on the block. He had his big games here and there, but you you had to rely on a three-point tandem, basically, of Ren the night, and Daron Lamb, two of the best three-point shooters Cal's had in the same backcourt. So this year I see it being a lot of the same. I mean, I don't know that Brooks and Toppin are going to necessarily – I think between them they could probably put up the Terrence Jones production that he had that year. And you don't really have the same kind of – I mean, Darius Miller is about as good of any three as they've had. And the, uh, obviously, Kit Gilchrist the next year was huge and won in that national title. Um, but you have more guards to choose from. So it's not it's not an exact comparison. I'm not trying to say this team's are gonna be just like twenty eleven. Uh I think they'll be well, I mean, if they're better, then they're gonna be a final four team. But that that team struggled a lot in the regular season. That that run was a bit unexpected really for them to go to a a Final Four. They played well at the end of the year, took out a number one overall seed and then beat a very good North Carolina team. Um yeah. So this team, I do think it's if you're looking for any comparison in the Cal era, that's what you're gonna to have to go to. But man, that was ten years ago, so the game's changed a lot in ten years. But it does show that you know Cal wasn't trying to, he wasn't living by some principle that he just absolutely had to have a five score or, or, or dominate because that wasn't the case for Harrelson. I mean, that team really relied heavily on Knight and Lamb, and I think this team's gonna be similar in the ways that they're not to rely on Kellen Grady a lot. They're not three. I don't know if there'll be a, a central star on this team. And that's probably one of the big questions is can a team. You think Baylor had stuff? I'd say Davion Mitchell was a star last year yeah, in he, college basketball.
0: Especially by the time it got to March. Yeah.
1: yeah but was. That, that was a very deep team, though. I mean, they were a very good unit together. That that Villanova team, you had Jalen Brunson, who I would say was a star of that team. But I mean, you had DiVincenzo. Uh, Pascal was on the team, right? Eric Pascal. Or am I thinking of somebody else? I think he was on that team who just got traded from the Warriors, Um, they had a lot of pros uh, on that team. So if they're as good as that team or if they play similar to that, I think fans will be happy because for my money, since 2012 UK team, I thought the Villanova team was the most dominant team in college basketball. Really, That that was a great team.
0: I agree with that. Great question, great topic. I see three questions left, Eric, and we'll wrap this mailbag up. This one comes from Zach making his first appearance in the mailbag. I know this is a Kentucky podcast in which I listen to all the time, but why are, we not talk, why are we not talking about Oregon more with NIL? I think they will be big players with the Nike ties, which affects Kentucky. Although you see 10 to 15 top kids in each class reclassified, does NIL incent, incentivize more kids to get out of the high school earlier, regardless of their rankings? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Is he asking if it makes more sense for kids to reclassify to go to college to get paid? That, yes. Yeah, then, I, I do think that. I mean, you just saw it with football. I know we're not talking we're talking about basketball here, but the number one quarterback prospect in the country left Texas early, not even going to play a senior in high school, so he can go get paid. You go get paid in, uh, at yeah. Ohio State. So yeah, I definitely think that's going to happen.
0: And and he follows up too with this. Also, we will see some. Will we see some sort of rule that if a kid is committed to say Kentucky? or anyone else that they can no longer be recruited by the G League or MBL. This would stop the snakes of the G League coming in and swooping an Isaiah Todd or a Knicks who have been committed, or will it just remain a handshake, which is what I believe Cal and Strickland have right now?
1: My man ever followed the MLB draft. <laughs> That's how it is and it will be you haven't committed for five years and then the draft they can sign them if they want. I don't I don't see that Sean. I don't I don't think they'll be able to do that. I don't know if they'll be able to regulate um, UCLA had a kid signed, right? Nix was signed yeah, to go that's to what UCLA.
0: He, that's what he was mentioning there with uh, yeah. Isaiah Todd. And Todd was a kid that Kentucky was recruiting and stuff and then backed away from and then ultimately. Uh, if you're a
1: coach, I think you would absolutely love a rule that – and that's what I was kind of mentioning. I think it might have been with Derek Lively who we were talking about, that um it's hard to know for sure because you're going to – if there was a rule where if a kid signed and you couldn't – couldn't recruit them if you were a pro team then I think colleges would love that but how would you how would you enforce that I just don't really see how you could I think you just have to that, well, that would probably be my hope if I were a college coach I would really want to know in the fall if a kid was signing to say is there any chance that you're going to want to go play pro basketball because then I mean you have to keep your mind open but if if you're a kid and you say no I'm, I'm for sure coming to college then you don't really have to worry about it if you're a coach so well, I don't know if there'd be any formal rules in place, but I think if you're a coach, that's, you would just need to have a really good relationship with the player and, uh, and know what they, where their heart was set.
0: Well, an NIL certainly helps. Like if this had just been the G League and you're just competing with college basketball, normal college basketball, no money, no income, no NIL, after what Jalen Green did, getting drafted second by Houston. And then Kaminga going top seven as well. I think that college basketball coaches would have been had a major headache if NIL wasn't an opportunity there for these guys.
1: Yeah, speaking of Green, was he the one who tweeted that thing that about how he was he wasn't too happy with his exposure, right? Yes, I guess going number two in the draft kind of eliminated that narrative because I know Cal had mentioned. I think that was a selling point, right, for UK as to why you shouldn't. If you can come here and make money, why would you do that with the exposure? But then Green still went number two anyway. So I don't know that that's going to be something they can use in the future. To address this question on Oregon, I hadn't really thought about them. That is a good point um, with all that Nike money. Uh, But, I mean, I I think there are a lot of schools, though, still that have just as good of a pitch, if not better. Than them, I still think your earning potential as a UK basketball player is going to be greater than that of uh, of an Oregon player. But the, the one thing that would help Oregon though, just with all that Nike money, if you, if they did truly get like a uh, incredible marketable athlete, uh, I would almost think that the future earnings would, would benefit more because you would be on Nike's radar already and right there yeah. and they could advertise you starting in college, but then you could sign with them afterwards. That would seem to be a selling point to me versus just, does that make sense? It does. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit on that. I mean, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought of Oregon, but I just, I don't think they have any just crazy advantage that no one else does. I mean, obviously, having the Nike headquarters and the owner of Nike being an alum of your school, it's got to help. help. It's, it's got to help. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, don't, I don't know if that's enough, though, to sway it. Because, I mean, if you're going to sign with one of the big shoe companies anyway, you're going to do that post if you play at Kentucky, if you play at Duke, if you play at Michigan. It doesn't really matter, to, I don't think in that regard.
0: And and Ben has a question here. He says, if Penny gets Duran and Bates and goes on to have success this year, how much will that hurt Cal in recruiting? Because he's been having recruiting success without really any success on the court. He's He's been doing that. You mentioned that in the opening of the show that that's not been Penny's problem. Derek, Penny's problem has been getting them to an NCAA tournament and winning games in an NCAA tournament. He did win an it, IT, but we know that that's not Gonna get it done for long, uh, but Penny obviously. I I think I told you this, covering the EYBL and stuff. There there are a few guys that when they walk in the building, they attract everybody's attention. John Calipari has that. Mike Shashesky has that. Roy Williams had that. Penny Hardaway's the same way. Penny Hardaway has that kind of that it factor when he walks in a gym. I think it would hurt Kentucky. If they go on and have success, there, two elite prospects. They go get drafted high. They have success at Memphis as a team. Make a run in the NCAA tournament. I think it would hurt because, obviously, there's another school there that's primed and ready to take elite prospects away from you. It would hurt them. There's no way I think it wouldn't.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, if you had those two guys to Wiseman a few years ago, I mean, that's a somewhat sustained – run of attracting elite talent to your school over some others i mean
0: from kentucky yeah
1: that were yet excuse me i mean i don't it's hard to know how that year with wise well i I guess the season got canceled we know how it would have played out they would have been like everybody else they would have been wondering how how it would have gone i mean obviously Wiseman being there he left school because he's ineligible but uh, who knows how good memphis could have been that year um do you really think there's a chance they get both those guys though
0: There's a lot of buzz and a lot of smoke to it. I didn't think so the other night when I was on another podcast, but 48 hours later, there's a lot of people talking about it. I mean, I would have said Michigan State for Bates. I mean, Michigan State's been front and center sitting there for him for years now. And no one else – I remember clearly at one point when I was in Atlanta covering EYBL game, Tom Izzo was the only coach sitting watching Imani Bates because everybody thought he was going pro. Nobody was even trying to recruit him because they didn't see any reason. Because remember, we were talking at that point that there, there wasn't the NIL talk and all this stuff. It was that guys were going to be able to go to the league right out of high school by this point. And then we've obviously seen that that hasn't happened yet. But if he does go, Derek, does he decide to play one year of college basketball, then go G League, or does he go two years of college basketball? Because he, he's not even eligible to the 2023 draft.
1: Mm, that is interesting so i mean i feel line of both those guys and that's a oh uh, yeah <laughs> it's a big-time, big-time, uh, big tom big tom message that you're kind of
0: yeah that's a big move that. for i am 1 cent <laughs> is that his yeah. twitter handle
1: Bates? or no
0: penny hardaway is it i am 1 cent is oh. it his twitter
1: handle yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what his Twitter handle is. I don't follow him on Twitter. Uh,
0: you looked at me like, "What are you talking about?"
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. anytime talking about one cent with the penny. Yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure I that's his name.
0: Uh, let me make sure. I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure we have one question though, and it's yeah, I am one cent, and I mean it's it's creative. I would probably do it. That's it. uh,
1: creative. Last uh, I question. It, I mean, I think about those guys, and I. To go roundabout to the question, I mean it's a pretty big message sent if they yeah. find a way to get both those guys. I mean, because I don't, UK didn't really recruit uh, Bates, I don't think, but it's very obvious that they want Durant style. So last question.
0: Last question comes from Lucas Witt. We answered half of this in the football mailbag. Your thoughts on the Kentucky jerseys for both football and basketball? So we answered the football and the football. So let's answer the basketball and the basketball. Eric, it's time for a change, in my opinion. Like it's time. That's just my thoughts. I don't hate them. I like the blue better than I like the white. I always have. I think I've always favored Kentucky's blue jerseys over white, regardless of whether there were checkerboard up and down the side of them or it was the 90s. I've always liked the blue look on the road. But I do think it's time for a change. But I, I don't see the checkerboard going anywhere, honestly. I mean, it's on every U.K. thing that you see now.
1: Yeah, it looks like these – you you are right about the checkered board being a little bit more pronounced with basketball because it's on their legs. uh, And it's also on the sides of the jerseys as well, so it's all up and down.
0: You remember Uh, when that first started and they just had it on the – like the shorts at the front, and it it left one of the squares, one of the blocks open, signifying that that was going to be the next national championship because they had all the titles in there, and then it was just an open one, and then all of a sudden it turned into – checkerboard on everything, but I think they're due for a a jersey change. I mean they to me they don't look horrible. Like I mean I am I a big fan of the checkerboard. Not really. But I don't also don't hate them like entirely. I think that the blue to me the blue does look better. The checkerboard looks better on the blue than it does on the white.
1: Did you like the gray ones they pulled out for the Tennessee game?
0: I didn't get to see those in person because I wasn't there. I actually had COVID. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that night if you remember but yeah i couldn't tell tv threw it off they almost looked white on tv they do
1: look, i'm looking uh i'm looking right now on google i typed it in and you're i thought the same way i was like see actually i was, like, I was pretty sure it's a tennessee game that they wore these and yet they have to actually click on the photo to get a little closer to see that they were gray they very much did look like they were white i'm not creative enough to know what kind of design they should have but i mean they have been wearing these jerseys for a few years now. So, yeah, I guess it's – I don't get caught up on uh, uniforms, though, as much as a lot of fans do.
0: I loved the jerseys that they wore the year that they went 38-1. and I loved the white ones that Nike gave on midseason that had the that had the Kentucky in white with the – I think it was blue around the lettering mm-hmm. or maybe black. I can't remember that made it stand up. I think it was probably blue. And then I think the Jamal murray tower Eulish year, I liked the jerseys then, too. They didn't – to me, it wasn't as much checkerboard as it is now. Maybe the cut was different. Am I wrong on that, or did they have those that year?
1: Um, Mom, you're dating me a lot. I can't, I can't remember <laughs> what they I look. I mean, I had to look up what they looked like last year, the uniforms. I couldn't even remember. <laughs> they've not even They look like, and they've not changed in a while. It looks like the ones that Kelton Johnson wore are still the same that, you know, B.J. Boston was wearing last year. Okay,
0: so they, they were different in 2016. So the ones that I'm looking at of Uless is they had the old U.K. logo on the hip. And then it had mm-hmm. checkerboard that started very thin and it got thicker as you went down toward the knee, but the top had no checkerboard on it whatsoever. I liked those. I didn't think that that was over the top as much as they are now. It seems like the Fox monkey is where they shifted and went to this look that they have not changed at all.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that too. Now you're Yeah. I like those blue jerseys that they had in 2015. Uh, that's pretty, pretty plain jerseys really. But, uh, Definitely a lot less checkerboard. They've absolutely incorporated that more over the years.
0: They have. So I I remember the 2014 jerseys, too, that they wore. Aaron Harrison and that group, I liked those because they had the checkerboard, I think, near the the bottom of the shorts. And then they had the what I was talking about there on the front of the shorts. Uh, I really liked those jerseys. I'd, I'd take those again. So, yeah, I think they're to a point to where they need something new, and I, I think they'll get a new look. Pretty soon, there's no way they keep wearing the same look. I mean, we're, I mean, surely not, right? I mean, we're not
1: Alabama football. They're not going to keep just wearing the same thing, or whatever. There's, no, there's no tradition involved with these uniforms.
0: But that wraps up the mailbag. Uh, another week, another successful week of mailbags. We wanted to get them out there early because we're going to be busy the next couple of days with a lot of football. So UK football media day is on Friday. Derek and I will be there covering that event, and then I'm sure some of you will be at Kroger Field on Saturday for the open practice for fan day. They're not going to have the autograph session. I know there will be doing some things for autographs, Derek. I think they will be throwing some out and things like that from the players to the crowd, but they won't be having the normal, typical walking around Nutterfield house, walking around Kroger field and getting autographs. But I think fans are really going to enjoy that this weekend. Hopefully the weather's nice and we get to have that and everybody gets a look at Kentucky's football team. And we'll be here to recap media day. We'll recap the open practice. And uh, we'll move you right along into next week. We're going to have some more basketball recruiting talk next week. I'm already lining up a guest to come on and talk about Reed Shepard and his big summer and some other topics as well. Make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. We're grateful for their sponsorship and partnership with Kentucky Daily. We hope we continue moving that forward. So make it out there. Show your support for uh, Wings and Rings and Kentucky Daily. And if you go in there and you have dinner, ask to see the manager and say, hey, Heard about you on Kentucky Daily because that always helps us out, too, doesn't it, Derek, if, if somebody goes in and does that. But he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.